When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trevor Woods here with SB Nation's Maize and Brew with a very special edition of getting to know Michigan's opponent. Michigan beat Ohio State this year. <laughs> and their season, their regular season, may have ended with that victory, but their playoff hopes, their Big Ten championship hopes are very much alive to win the Big Ten championship on Saturday. They have to face a stingy team that is always coached to a high degree by Kirk Ferentz, and I just can't wait to be an indie myself, so any Mason Brew people who see me down there, feel free to reach out and say hello. It's going to be a great weekend for both fan bases, two fan bases who, you know, I respect, and uh, I believe they respect one another. But to learn a little bit more about the Hawkeyes and their season, I'm talking with Ben Ross from BlackheartGoldPants.com. How are we today, Ben? Doing well. No complaints. 55 degrees in Chicago in December. You know, can't get much better than that. There you go. How's the wind chill, though? You know, I haven't stepped outside yet. Nobody's told me it's bad, so I've got to assume it's good. There we go. Living the good Windy City life today. Mm-hmm. Ben, so... Like I said, big game, big game, the biggest of the year for both teams coming up on Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. But let's talk a bit about how 10-2 Iowa has gotten to this point, gotten to where, with a win, they win the Big Ten title. Iowa, they have the 13th ranked total defense, number 123 in total offense, though, and they rank third in turnover margin. Is Iowa's recipe success as simple as those rankings indicate? They don't turn the ball over on offense. Do turn the ball over on defense. 
and their defense wins them games. Do, do I have that about right? More or less, yeah. I'd say you are omitting one really important factor, too, is special teams. You know, it's sweeps. Oh, knows. yes. Thank you. We, we, we appreciate the special teams here. My apologies. Special teams are special at Iowa, and I'm just always, you know, and this year is, uh, you know, it, I'd say no different, but it is different because for the first time, really, that I can remember in quite a while, Iowa has a really dynamic kick and punt returner and Charlie Jones, who was recently named Big Ten Returner of the Year. You know, he's uh, the leader in the Big Ten in punt return yards and kick return yards uh, per game. And Iowa typically hasn't really had uh, a guy as dynamic as him. You know, I, I'd like to point out recently, or highlight rather, you know, against the against Illinois a couple weeks ago, Iowa went down uh, quick, 10 nothing, and it sort of felt like, uh, we were in despair, and then Charlie Jones returns a kick for 99 yards to the house, and all of a sudden I was back in it. I uh, haven't really seen a guy um, quite like that. And then furthermore, uh, Torrey Taylor, he's a Iowa's punter. He's averaging 45 yards a punt, but a lot of that is because he's just so darn good at um, at his co- coffin corners. And finally, uh, I've got to mention our kicker, uh, Caleb Shudix, 22-25 on the year. Uh, he had five against Nebraska really just sealing the deal for us in, in a nail-biting win, kind of. And, uh, y- you know, as you mentioned, the turnovers are great, plus 13 margin. Uh, you're going to win a lot of games when, you, uh, when you're able to take it away like that. Yeah, and, uh, man, just looking at those disparities, like I said, that the offense, 123rd, defense, 13th. So, Hats off to you, Ben, for being astute there and bringing up these special teams because, to me, that's something that flies under the radar, of course, and can contribute so much to wins and losses, especially a team like Iowa that doesn't always score in abundance. So that certainly sounds like something to look out for on Saturday. Luckily for Michigan, they do have a good special teams battery in their own right kicker, Jake Moody. Absolutely phenomenal this year, 22-25. Brad Robbins, one of the better averages in Michigan history, punt average. And then A.J. Henning, he's been quite electric, had a kickoff return earlier this season. So I actually can't wait for the special teams battle. (laughs) And it would be wild if this does. Last time Michigan and Iowa played was in 2019 and Michigan got out to a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter but man did that game bog down Iowa ended up getting a field goal but these Iowa Michigan games they always I don't want to say always but a lot of the time they come down to a game that feels like a game from 1985 or 1955 these low scoring battles so my question to you is what is your gut telling you about this matchup do you have that kind of feeling too where you it, kind of feels like it's going to be a low scoring game or do you think uh it could get a little more higher than some indicate the caveat there would be both michigan and iowa they are averaging just allowing their defenses around 17 points a game so uh impressive defense on both fronts yeah you know i'm not i I really can't envision a high scoring game also you know you mentioned 2019 i'd like to mention mention 2016 yeah you should they Uh, won congrats and kinnick uh, i was 14 13 win when they were i believe 21 and a half point underdogs that came down to a a keith duncan field goal as time was expiring so you know i'm not 
if if that's how this game ended, one way or the other, if I was or Michigan's kicker had the opportunity to win the game with one tick left on the clock, um, that totally wouldn't surprise me. I really can't see any a high scoring affair, you, you know, and it, it kind of takes it depends on your definition of high scoring is. I guess over I guess over seventeen points. <laughs> I was gonna say twenty. You know, yeah. more than three touchdowns for Iowa is. Uh, absolutely air raid uh, air raid esque for us um you know I, i'm not totally sure what to expect i i don't think i'm going to be totally surprised by uh, by what i see from either team it's really just going to come down to who can um you know uh, kirk france and i hate this i hate how he says this but it always comes down to execution but it's always you know hat on hat you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, X's and O's, all that. And it's really, I think it, this one's going to come down to who's, you know, able to block their guys better, hit their holes better, make the passes better, and um, don't really expect to see anything too fancy or sexy from uh, from either team here. Now let me ask you this. Do you think that Michigan is the, I believe statistically, as far as their total offense, Michigan's the best offense in which – I was faced, but I was faced some decent offenses. Penn State has a decent offense. Wisconsin's offense has got it going. Uh, Purdue, a good passing attack. Uh, where would you rank Michigan, their overall battery, compared to some of the other offenses you've seen on their schedule, Iowa schedule? Uh, well, tell you what, I mean, I just think you know, I, the numbers don't totally bear this out, I guess, but I – and here's why I think Purdue is the best offense we've played all year simply because Purdue has the pieces had that have always beaten Iowa. I think we, I was lost to Purdue three of the last four years. David Bell this year went for 240 yards, a touchdown on 11 catches. And I just don't think nothing against, I mean, something a little against Michigan, but I don't think you got the quarterback or the receiver to really do that. David Bell's burned Iowa before. It's just really, I was kryptonite is when you get these all American ass wide receivers and, uh, Phil Parker, as much as I love him, our defensive coordinator is, is about as stubborn as it comes when uh, when it comes to you know not totally revolving a game plan around one one receiver. So uh, I do, I do think Michigan's a little bit uh, better. I think it'll be the best offensive line. I was faced about I was faced all year in that sense. I think it'll be um, the best stable of running backs. I was faced all year. I think it'll be a little bit more creative. Um, I was faced all year. No, I think Minnesota arguably has a better offensive line, but Michigan's running backs are better. They're, and you know, it comes down to their coaching's better, their schemes are better. I think they get a little bit more um, dynamic and creative with their jumbo packages and having you know two tight ends or two tight uh, tight end on the fullback in the backfield some of the time, which is something I've always wanted to see Iowa do, but we'll never see that. Um, so obviously, I do have to give you credit, Hassan Haskins. I know I watched the whole. Michigan Ohio State game obviously and he was pretty electric um, he scares me a little bit but uh, I don't I don't really see any of your your wideouts totally completely burning us away David Bell has in the past and that's I guess that's kind of the only reassuring thing which is funny to say for a Purdue team that didn't you know totally end the year lighting anyone on fire now the only thing I would say uh, to counter that potentially I don't know what's going to happen. Just like you said, you don't know what's going to happen, right? But Purdue, their whole offense revolves around their passing attack. 
and David Bell David Bell gets a ton of opportunities for Michigan this year. They relied so heavily on the run game because their offensive line's been so good and Haskins and Corum as well, to where there have been games where Michigan hasn't really had to rely on the pass. However, in some games against Wisconsin or even uh, uh, this past week against Ohio State, uh, there's been some good contributors. So, uh, for any Iowa fans listening, I would say look out for uh, Cornelius Johnson and uh, tight end Eric All. Now, I don't think Michigan's going to land many long shots in this one. Not saying that at all. I don't even necessarily think they'll take that many. But uh, I would actually go so far as to say I'd be surprised if there wasn't one or two throws that were over 35 yards in the air. So, uh I'm glad we brought this part of the conversation up because I'm actually fascinated about it and what Michigan's going to attempt to do against a pretty darn good Iowa secondary. Now, talking about Iowa's loss, now you already just said that Purdue, you believe, is the best offense all around just as far as what they can do to Iowa. But Iowa did lose to Wisconsin 27-7. to just curious what went into that loss, specifically uh, the point disparity. Yeah, lots of that. The Wisconsin game lost quite a bit differently. You know, Iowa turned the ball over three times. We had a minus three turnover margin in that game. Uh, and really, you can just point to uh, in the second quarter, I was down 10 nothing. holds Wisconsin to um, <clears throat> an incredible goal line stand. Wisconsin turns the ball over on downs at their... Uh, at Iowa's one or two yard line, Iowa, Iowa picks it up there, and the very first play on that possession, uh, we fumble the ball, and you know Wisconsin then goes up seventeen nothing, going into half, and that's sort of that. Um, couldn't get anything going on offense, and uh, really Iowa's offense didn't help them at all. Um, two running backs and our quarterback Spencer Petras each had a fumble in that game, and uh, really you're just not going to win many games when you're minus three in that margin, especially when you're Iowa when. They, they feast on that going in the opposite direction. So it was a little bit different game. It was obviously, I don't want to take anything away from Wisconsin. Um, I was always struggled uh, against the Badgers, especially uh, Paul Chris teams and, and Brett Bielman teams too before him. So it's uh, that's the problem. I guess it's been more the same for Iowa against the Badgers. Just can't really generate any points. And, and then when you shoot yourself in the foot three times like that, I, you, you just don't really expect to win. You know, that's the first time I can remember turning off a game early um, just because uh, it, it, was, it was over so quick. Iowa finally put in our backup Alex Padilla. It was too little, too late. And um, nothing was really going on for us there. And uh, let's move talk. Talk about Iowa's quarterbacks. Last week, two quarterbacks were used, Spencer Petras and then Alex Padilla. Uh, could this dynamic happen again against Michigan, or do you think Spencer's just going to carry the load? So that's the only thing. I, I you know, I'm not a coach. Um, I would like Iowa's, you know, Padilla and Petrus bring a little bit of different things together, namely, you know, Petrus is a statue back there, and Padilla is a little bit quicker. Uh, at the same time, Petrus is four or five inches taller and has a better command of the offense. P- Padilla was pulled against Nebraska because he was really miss he was missing open guys down the middle. He didn't really he only had he had one interception. Should have had maybe two or three, and he should have had a touchdown, but was called off the board. Um, and you know, if that's that's if that stays on board, who knows what happens? Uh, they. Uh, I would like to think, I'd like to sit here and say, Spencer Petras, he's starting. 
He's going to go in and be on a short leash if he uh, misses some throws or turns it over or gets sacked four times in the first half. I'd like to say uh, we put in Padilla that if the game's still in hand and just try and switch it up a little bit. But also I, I do know that these Iowa coaches are very, very stubborn. The only reason Petrus got pulled a few games ago against Northwestern was because of an injury. You know, he, um, he couldn't throw the ball more than 10 or 15 yards. And uh, that was a little bit frustrating because <laughs> that's sort of how how he, he looked for a game or two prior as well. And they still stuck with him. Um, in, in spite of his play, I was winning games because of, because of their defense and the mistakes they were generating, uh, other making other teams make. So, I would like to say, you know, Petrus isn't going, be on a short leash if things aren't working. Um, but I think if it's still a close game at half and Petrus isn't, you know, turning the ball over and his mistakes aren't mm, gut punches, if they aren't totally, if the, if the game's still within reach, I think we'll see him uh, all four quarters. But I would like to see, and it's not like I don't think – uh, I was going to be like Michigan or, or, or Purdue where they've got special play, plays or packages for PTU to insert. I would like to see that, but I just don't see that happening. So uh, I would expect a healthy dose of Spencer Petrus if uh, the game's close throughout. Now, has Petrus showed this season that he can handle a blitz well? Because obviously Michigan with edge rushers David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson – uh, that's going to present a challenge for Iowa or any team. Look at Ohio State last week. That definitely impacted their loss greatly. Uh, how has Petrus done against the Blitz this year? I mean, horribly. As I mentioned earlier, he, he's a statue back there. I think I was number – I'm trying to find it right now. I, I, we're, we're tops in the conference for sacks allowed. I want to say somewhere in the 30s even. He got sacked four or five times against uh, Purdue – Carl Loftus just totally and completely ate him alive, uh, which is what which is what makes me nervous because I know you have um, <clears throat> Hutch and Ojaba on the uh, uh, outside there for you guys, and as good as Carl Loftus is, <laughs> you, you got two of them. So that that just makes me a little bit nervous. That's why I would have liked to see Padilla maybe not necessarily get the start, but if he if um, Petrus is getting eaten alive because he he just can't really move by virtue of. Uh, not just his size, too. Uh, he, he's just not a mo- very mobile guy. He, he's six four out there and uh, a little bit like a statue and not, not super muscly, maybe like a previous Iowa quarterback, Nate Stanley, who, who was just tough to bring down by virtue of his, you know, yeah, he was a tree trunk below all the waist. Um, so uh, I, that, Michigan's going to be pinning its ears back, I think, all four quarters. It's going to be – I'm very interested to see what I was going to do to try and offset uh, heavy rush, and the problem is, too, I've seen Iowa give up more sacks and three-man rushes this year than, I, than I've ever seen before. And so with Michigan just rushing four, they'll be able to commit um, commit their guys to, to covering receivers and not really have to spend too much brain space on, on safeties or linebackers uh, blitzing, especially because Iowa's offensive line has struggled quite a bit this year. So that's what scares me the most is just protecting our quarterback, whether it's Padilla or Petrus, and the fact of the matter is – Petrus can't move super great, um, so that and everybody knows that. And I know you guys know that exactly. And it's just one of those matchups that really, you know, it, it could go off the rails if Iowa doesn't clean things up quickly. If uh, some miscues unfold, last time, as you just said, Nate Stanley, he was a big, tough, strong guy, but he was a statue too. Michigan got to Stanley eight times they sacked him 
eight mm-hmm. times in 2019. They hit him a whole hell of a lot. I got a, a developed a ton of respect for Stanley that day, his ability to keep getting up because it wasn't just those eight sacks. It was all those other times they kept hitting the quarterback. So uh, we'll see if Michigan can do the same to Petrus. Uh, but who, who the hell knows? Uh Last question for you, a bit of a longer one. Uh, the biggest players, a couple on offense and on defense that we haven't talked about to this point. Yeah, I know. the problem with you ask, asking me who's the number the player to look out for on offense, it's just tough to pick one simply because. Well, you can keep you know, this, answer answer the way you want, man. Because well, the, our reader, well, the our, is, yeah, our readers love love the more information, the better. As far as that goes. Well, then the answer has to be uh, center Tyler Linderbaum. You know, first team, uh, first team All Big Ten is likely or potential um, uh, Outland Trophy winner, um, and you know, like likely NFL draft pick, uh, first or second round if he were to declare. Is he's only a junior this year too, and. Well, what he's done, you know, if I wouldn't have him, the entire offensive line would be a whole, whole, a uh, big mess simply because he's a straw that stirs a drink. Um, he's able to help. Uh, I always get so many touchdowns that are just QB sneaks or uh, third or short third down or fourth down conversions that were QB sneaks under him because he, I truly believe he's, you know, one or one A center in all of college football. And uh, that's just pretty great. You know, if I were to give you a slightly sexier answer, I'd honestly, I'd have to take. Uh, Keegan Johnson, who's a true freshman wide receiver out of Nebraska, he he eventually usurped a uh, junior uh, wide receiver Tyrone Tracy, who was pretty capable. Uh, but he he took over his, his duties uh, about six games of the season this year, six games into the year this uh, season, and totally completely blew open the, the Minnesota game. He had one of the most incredible uh, plays, I can, touch touchdown runs I can remember from an Iowa receiver uh, against Minnesota. He's um, and just he's got only 17 receptions this year, but he's averaging 20 yards uh, per catch, and he's got two touchdowns. And I, I have to imagine I was going to try and get him the ball um, when we really need it because he's pro- even though he's only 18, 19 years old, he's really proven himself um, on the defense. But uh, countering that, you know, opposite of that on defense, it's sort of hard for me to pick. Um, it, it'd be really easy for me to say Riley Moss, Big Ten defensive back of the year. He he has four interceptions, and he he, he was named defensive back of the year, at, even at, including missing three games. Um, I think pro. I don't totally buy into pro football focus stuff. Pro, but uh, number one rated corner, I, I believe, in all of college uh, by them. And but and he has a and my, the most incredible stat is Nebraska and Illinois. They didn't. Throw, zero stats um, in those games because they, they're in, avoiding him entirely. And uh, so if I were to get a little bit more nuanced with that, I might say Jack Campbell, a middle linebacker, who's one of the best and most underrated middle linebackers. I can, and I always had a story, uh, has had some pretty great middle linebackers in the past, but he's second in the conference in tackles. He's um, a 6'4 guy, 230, and just uh, he doesn't miss anything. And he can run, he can blitz, he can cover. He, he, he just does it all. Um, after them, you know, Jamari Harris will be the corner opposite of uh, of, uh, of Moss, and he, he's starting in for an injured Matt Hankins, who was plenty great in his own right, but he's been hurt with a hamstring the last three or four games of the year. Uh, and only a sophomore, Harris has played really well because uh, if you're not, if you can't throw it to Moss, you can throw it to Harris, who's gotten a lot of looks. He had the game ceiling interception 
uh, against Nebraska last week, and he's coming really coming into his own. And then finally, I want to mention Dane Belton. He's actually tied in the conference lead for interceptions with five. Uh, sort of a linebacker safety hybrid. We call it the cash position, and he's certainly going to be an NFL prospect one day too. Um, playing playing the same position that Amani Hooker is currently for the uh, Tennessee Titans uh, was playing sort of a, uh, a hybrid type, and he, he's just all over the place. He's um, he, he's a ball hawk, and he, he can do it all as well. So it's a little bit easier for me to choose on defense, and that's because, you know, this Iowa defense is pretty great. Man, you know, just listening to all that and just our conversation to this point, of course Iowa has a couple weaknesses here and there, and the same can be said for Michigan, but there's no doubt this is a team with some scary players, and, uh, yeah, I have a lot of respect for this matchup. And uh, if I was a betting person, which I am not, I'd be weary of putting a, a bet on either team heading into this one. It should be a real good one in Indianapolis. Thank you to Ben. Ben, you want to uh, tell folks where they can find your work and find you on Twitter? Yeah, if you feel inclined. You know, I'm at RenBoss23 on Twitter where... We're on the Blackheart Gold Pants SB Nation blog. Um, I just want to shout out quick. I am a betting man, so I think there we go. Think, let's let's hear it. I let's think, hear it. I think taking Iowa plus ten and a half points is kind of not free, but it's easy because I'm I'm, I, I'm I'm one to take the points. I also do want to mention I took Michigan, you know, straight up money line. Um, and I'm, I'm actually not a huge betting person. I just I only lay a few bets here, so I like to do it when I can. But I sort of had a really great feeling about Michigan uh, last week over Ohio State, and so that, that paid off dividends for me as well. That'll do it for this week's edition, and hopefully there's two more editions this year, two more opponents after this one for the Wolverines, but they got to get that victory over Iowa on Saturday 1st. Once again, this is Trevor Woods from SB Nation's Maize and Brew, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Woods Football, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts. We'll be talking to you soon. Take care.